Hail and hello, everyone. Welcome to the Random Heathen Ramblings podcast, a Midgard Musings production. Join me, Jesse, your host, as we discuss random heathen-related topics and various other things in an attempt to find where, if any, heathen worldviews can be applied. You can support this podcast by clicking on the Linktree link in the description or show notes. You can also follow me on all of my social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and become a patron on Patreon. Join me every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central on all major podcast streaming platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and many, many more. If you wish to have your voice heard on the Random Heathen Ramblings podcast, you can dial in to 615-671-9832. Thank you all once again for listening to the Random Heathen Ramblings podcast. Enjoy and hail to you all. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, folks. Welcome back. <clears throat> Welcome back. Sorry about that. To the latest and greatest episode of the random heathen ramblings podcast um thank you all for tuning in thank you all for streaming thank you all for listening watching absorbing this podcast to whatever extent and to whichever degree your podcast absorption so appeals um i am on a number of streaming platforms so wherever you're catching this feel free to uh comment or 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 let me know it's it's always nice to to get that feedback i do have an analytic platform that i follow so as i see lately the listening platform tends to be a neck and neck tie between those on the spotify platforms and the apple podcast platforms i have to give a huge shout out to the folks at anchor for allowing me to distribute this podcast um on spotify so that makes a lot of sense that the majority of my listeners are on Spotify. But to all of my YouTubers, to all of the Google Podcasts and to Pandora, iHeartRadio, um, you know, wherever else you absorb this podcast, thank you very much. Uh, and your support is greatly appreciated. As we mentioned in the intro, there are a number of ways that you can support this podcast monetarily beyond just your views. If you want to get some cool merchandise, there is a spring store that you can buy Midgard Musings apparel. Um, there's all kinds of neat um, accessories, things beyond just the hoodies, t-shirts, sweatpants, leggings, that sort of thing. There's child's apparel, there's infant and toddler apparel, as well as some other sundry items um, in my marketplace. So feel free to peruse the wares of my store and see what fits you. It's a great way to support the podcast. It's a great way to support the brand. Is a great way for you to show the world 
you are a supporter of Midgard Musings and the Random Heathen Ramblings podcast. I don't have anything that is podcast related. It is all just the Midgard Musings brand and logo and that sort of thing. Um, but I may be coming up with something in the near future, potentially, um, that is branded for the podcast. So more to come on that, potentially. It's a thought that's been mulling around in my mind. Um, but as of right now, Midgard Musings is the production. Midgard Musings is the brand. And the way that you can support the brand is by getting some merchandise. You can also become a patron on Patreon. You can become a member on the YouTube channel. You can um, donate um, monetarily if you so choose through PayPal or through what is called Ko-Fi. As of right now, we are running a fundraising campaign through the Ko-Fi link that is annotated in the Linktree link, which you'll find in the show notes or description of this podcast, wherever it is that you're following but click that link tree link find the ko-fi uh, page which is uh, going to be labeled as buy me a coffee and you'll see that we are running a uh, fundraising campaign for a near and dear friend of mine uh, dingo so if you want to help dingo in some way by donating through the ko-fi link you can do it there um, beyond that how can you donate or how can you support rather um, what we do here beyond that just follow you know follow like share subscribe um, if whatever platform that you're on suggests that you, uh, you know, follow me or like the page or, or subscribe or, or whatever, um, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, there is an Instagram page, but for some reason I can't get the link to, to, to connect to my Facebook. So there's less material out there on the Instagram, uh, where, uh, interwebs <clears throat> than there is on the Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, but each either, which, whichever way works best for you, just go ahead and follow, like, share, subscribe. Of course, commenting on these YouTube premiere videos does greatly help. And if you are enjoying what I do outside of the podcast, if you like the the YouTube shorts, the Facebook reels, the little short little entertainment um, blips of of things, um, share them around, you know, um, tag me when you do. Um, It's a great way to engage with the algorithm to to, to let it know that uh, there is content out there that other people in the world would like to see. And so we want to see more of his stuff and other stuff like his or theirs or hers or whatever. So appease the algorithm gods, engage with the content when and as you find it. Um, Beyond that, there are some local events coming up here uh, soon in the middle Tennessee area, which if you are in the rough proximity of Murfreesboro, Nashville, um, and you feel like coming out, we have a park moot coming up here in just a week and a half or so. Um, So on the weekend of the, uh, I believe it's September, September 16th, September 17th, whatever that Saturday is uh, coming up, not this next one, but the one coming up. um, We're going to be out there in uh, Murfreesboro at the Barfield Crescent Park. It's going to be a potluck sort of park moot. So bring a food dish, bring a side dish, bring a snack, bring something. Um, We're going to be meeting with a bunch of local pagans and heathens in our area. Would love to have you come out and hang out for a few hours. Um, In addition to that, there is also going to be a big public event in Springfield, Tennessee, hosted by the Raven Moon Hearth Kindred called Shadow Moot. Um, We've talked about that on a number of podcasts previous. And all of that information is going to be linked and annotated uh, over here, up there, down below in the description, show notes, wherever it is that you find such bits of information. Sorry for the raspiness in my voice i've been uh dealing with a upper respiratory um funkiness it seems mostly in my nasal passages it seems to be descending down into my respiratory regions giving me a very 
uh, raspy and uh, crass tone to my voice. It's not COVID. Before you suggest it, before you say, hey, you better do it, check it out. It's not that. Um, but it's just, you know, it's what you get when you have survived, uh, you know, walking pneumonia several times throughout your life and are tend to just be attacked in the upper respiratory area. So um, nothing to be alarmed about, nothing to be concerned about terribly, um, but it is what it is. So today's podcast, I am very happy and excited to announce um, that we have uh, a guest coming on here today who has been uh, present on the Medgard Musings YouTube channel a number of times, especially during live streams. You'll um, if you're if you're a, a bit of a uh, um, alumni to the channel, if you've been around for a minute, you might know who I'm talking about. And his name is Wyatt Coverdale. He has a YouTube channel himself um, under his own name. Um, and he has a lot of neat things to offer in terms of just philosophical thoughts, processes. He's a he's a young mind, but he's also a, um, a wise above his years, I think is a good, you know, uh, description of, of, of why it's approached to things. He has a lot of neat perspectives on just philosophical things. So I suspect that today's podcast is going to circulate around a lot of that sort of thing. We're going to talk about... Um, a recent discovery that he had around a certain approach to um, magical practices. Again, this is a, this is this this type of podcast today. I think is going to be heavily um, leaning towards the uh, personal experiences, the UPG side of things. It's not inherently heathen per se, um, but why it has been a supporter. He was actually funny story, one of the very first individuals who created a video on his channel as a shout out to me um, for having given him some sort of recognition or whatever during a live stream. And this was several years ago. Um, the channel on YouTube hadn't been um, out for, for, for maybe more than a year or so. I forget how many subscribers I had at the time. Um, but I did a live stream and, and, and he was there and I like recognized him. Like, hey there, Wyatt Coverdale. Hi there. Nice to see you, whatever. Um, and it absolutely blew his mind. He was he was very um, enthused about just being recognized in, in in that way. And he went and did like a reaction video um, on his channel. So he's got a channel. It's going to be annotated as well. Be sure to follow along on his, you know, uh, respective journey. But um, so much of what Wyatt has, I guess, uh, you know, found in his young years um, seemed to have, have stricken a chord with him with heathenry right because there's been things that we've talked about and i've shared on on the live streams and stuff over the years that has resonated with him and he's um shown a great interest in and then may have perhaps shaped his approach on things I'm, I'm not trying to take credit for the way he thinks now because i feel like so much of what he does so much of how he thinks and, and perceives the world his worldview has been largely due to his own work and his own research however i do know that he's um you know, given credit where credit is due. And he's, and he's mentioned me before as saying like, yeah, you know, you seem like a very uh, smart person, wise person. You, you have inspired me. I look at you as like some sort of mentor in a way, whatever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really flattering, really exciting. I'm, I'm really thrilled to have him on the podcast um, for the first time. He's been again on the channel uh, a number of times before we've done some some uh live streams and stuff where he's been on here so 
welcome to the podcast, Wyatt Carverdale, uh, for the first time. And let's see the kinds of things that we can get into today. So welcome to the podcast, Wyatt Carverdale. All right, everybody. And like I said before, welcoming to the channel, actually welcoming to the podcast. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a regular to the channel and has been for, for, for quite some, some time, as I mentioned earlier, uh, but welcome to the podcast for the first time, Wyatt Coverdale. Hey, Jesse, it's good to be back on. Good to see you again. Good to see all of the people that are probably watching this in the future again. Yeah, man. Yeah. So this is, this is, this is a fun thing. I was, uh, I was alluding earlier kind of before you got on here, um, just to kind of give some people uh, a rough, you know, background of of you and the history with this channel. I mean, you're you're one of the first people that that made like a uh, like I say like a reaction video or, or, or I made like a, ch- a a call out to you during like a live stream. I don't remember exactly when or what it was, but then following that live stream or following that video, you went and put a video out on your channel, being like, "Oh my god," you know. Midgard Musings said hi to me or something. So we go back quite some time. Like it's been at least a few years, I think, since, you know, we've uh, known each other. Seems like. Yeah. By the way, I'm really sorry about that. That was a really embarrassing way of introducing myself. Ah, no, man. I, I, you know, I'm actually flattered um, by it because, um, you know, this type of thing, like being out here on like a video platform or any sort of content sharing, you know, platform, you never know the kind of, um, nerves that you strike or the type of people that you uh inspire or influence and um even if it's just one person right if i if i've been able to to make a an impact or 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 whatever on one person's life then i feel like they're then what i'm doing is is worth it and you were one of the first people that made that kind of impact on me so i'm like huh i'm gonna keep doing this thing you know (laughs) and of course it's it's evolved and it's grown a lot since then and i think we all have i think we've all grown and evolved a lot because at that time when when you were following um or or catching my content and then you put out yours um your your views on things or your approach to things or your understanding or the way what you were learning was very uh specific and very focused and i would venture to say that now your um views on the world and the and what you kind of adopt in terms of your philosophy or, or whatever has shifted greatly since like we first quote unquote met um, online. Would that be accurate? Um, Bits and pieces. I mean, I would say that I have definitely shifted in a philosophical sense. I don't think that I I still work with the, the archetypes of the beings within North mythology. I still work with the magics, like the runes and the gold lost of fear and all that. But what they mean has definitely changed me. Like, instead of seeing them as literal and theistic, I've sort of gone on to a more metaphor- uh, metaphorical approach to things and seeing them more as, like, <clears throat> what's the word I'm looking for here? Like, metaphysical archetypes for things. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, I like that you use the, <clears throat> the term archetypes, you know, because I think with so much um, focus on religion, spirituality, philosophy, even, um, no matter where you go, no matter what you venture off into, the archetypes exist, and they could be, you know, uh, existing under certain names and certain uh, aesthetics within Germanic cultures, Celtic cultures, Asian cultures, 
indigenous native american cultures whatever like the archetypes ex- exist so I, I i'm glad that you mentioned that because i feel like that's a that may be something to key in on for a lot of people listening watching and stuff you know you may be thinking of certain things in a certain way and and the archetype is is of whatever but yeah. your aesthetic might land on specific regional or, or cultural you know types or or whatever so yeah a uh, a sort of pro tip <laughs> that I've learned in spirituality is um, learn the beings first, but then try learning what those beings represent and try finding similarities between those beings and beings from other cultures and sort of build yourself these archetypes for them, like these overall representations of what they are. And then realize that all of those beings are sort of masks for those same archetypes, mm-hmm. like the whole process becomes much more refined and therefore easier to work with. That's interesting, you know, and, and cause I, I, some of the stuff that I talk about um, and because of, of, because of the content that I create is, is very sp- specific to like, you know, Northern European or Germanic heathenry and that sort of thing. Um, when I first got into my practices, it, it was very God centric, you know what I mean? Like focused around the sacred, the divine, the, the deities, as it were, the beings. Um, and I've kind of evolved and grown into such a, a path where I look to more of the, like those, those the, the, they, they still hold a very important part of my practices, but um, I, 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 I'm of the type to want to say when you're first starting out, at least in Germanic heathenry is, is let that come later on, like focus on your immediate spirituality, your ancestral focus, your, the localized spirits, because there's so many, beings that exist in and around us that aren't classified as divine like they're not gods they are they're they're spiritual beings they exist outside of like the physical like flesh and bone part of the human element that we exist in and and can recognize other forms of ourselves in there are other beings there are other living beings that exist that are spiritual beings just like we are that have as much existence around us and so i've always been like well or not always, but have more recently been like, focus on that because they are this, this, the, the forces around you that you share space and time with the, the elevated, the higher forms, the, 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 the sacred, the divine, like that comes, I think in time. And if you want to jump into that right off the bat, right away, then you might be, and this is just my thing. You might be um, positioning yourself into a, uh, a, a place where you're not prepared to, to handle what they have to offer. What do you oh, think yeah. about that? uh i would say that you're pretty spot on i mean a lot of people usually come into these sort of spiritualities in a very theistic sense and i'm I'm not like trying to bully anybody who still has that theistic role like you can believe what you please mm-hmm. but within at least my eyes for my advancement within mm-hmm. my philosophy i've noticed that that's sort of like the theism is like a sort of gatekeeping line in the sand if that makes sense it's um it's the first process in the um in the reach of I, I guess enlightenment we can call it uh for lack of a scandinavian sort of term yeah uh it's it's a way of getting familiar with the materials rather than knowing what the materials actually are like i've i've had this sort of uh revelation one time that while i was studying into wiccan things uh while i've gotten more advanced in my spirituality right now i've realized that wicca is sort of it, it's like i don't know how to say this without being offensive really but it's sort of a beginner level sort of thing it, it focuses yeah. on the dual nature of things it lets you see patterns within nature 
and mm-hmm. let you construct all of these things, figure out how magic works, figure out yourself in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think, you know, if we, if we were to look at like the, the timeline of things in respective to our existence, right? Wicca, as we know it today, or, or as is, is probably used today is very modern again, in respective to other alternative religion and alternative views of spirituality, paganism as a whole, right? Polytheistic views of spirituality. You believe in a, 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 an array or, or, a, or a multi-pantheon of, of deities. You know, it's not just one supreme being. There are multiple beings of superiority. There are multiple beings of a divine and sacred um, existence that um, have a place in the, the universe of the multiverse, maybe. Um, and that Wicca is, is a very modern layer to that whole thing. Yeah. Um, well, regardless of cultural events, I would say that the archetype is still there. Like, um, specifically the dual nature of things, the idea of yin and yang, or, you know, the, the mother goddess and the born god, or whatever they're called. Some people call them the green man. Um, yeah, I was talking with somebody else recently, um, and and that 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 kind of topic came into the conversation where no matter what, um, you know, cultural differences, there's there's been and he and he kind of narrowed it down to there's there's always this mother earth or earth mother or earth goddess and a sky father or sky god, like there's that arc again. You go I'm going back to like archetypes, right? Like there's across multiple cultures and you know various pantheons there's this archetype of a sky father uh and and an earth mother and 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 how interesting that is to think about how the the earth the fertility the the mothering aspect of things resides in the ground whereas the 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 lead the 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 i don't know the father type uh, has its place in the heavens the sky you know maybe the above i don't know um so yeah, it's 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 all very inter inter interwoven into into things, and um, I don't know. I just it's really interesting to to connect to different aspects of all that across different cultures, like you said. Yeah. But what are, what are you into now lately? We talked earlier. Um, you know, like I, I'm reminiscing about one of the early videos that I did, and you were. Um, really interested in the runes and you were uh, at the time at least crafting your own rune set and you were very limited in with the materials that you were doing dealing with and it was like cutting them out of cardboard or, or construction paper and I thought that was really admirable because regardless of the materials that one has to to work with the intent and the purpose behind doing it has I think more um, weight and then, and then there's more power in, in it versus the actual material right? you may not be able to procure wood from a fruit bearing tree or stones from a river or whatever the case might be the more common materials that you might see used but you were you were being innovative and you were thinking with uh, a pure heart i felt and it was really neat to see you take that approach so from since then you know um where have you where have you grown like what is what is what has been your story since then i want people to know a little bit about the the saga of wyatt coverdale if you're willing to to share it what exactly are you asking me? Do you mean like how I view that icon, that that concept of the runes now? Yeah, let's start with that. Let's start with that and see where it goes. Since I brought it up, <laughs> All right. so the, the cardboard thing—not a lot has really changed since then. <laughs> uh, I've I've gotten better 
materials, of course, from your room set. Thank you, by the way. Um, I would say that aesthetic does make a pretty big change in magic because it sort of sets up everything. But regardless of that, the material which you use doesn't necessarily matter much. So long as the, I, I guess, the archetype of what you're trying to represent there is still within there. I mean, w- once you get to an advanced enough level in it, you don't even need the materials anymore. You can just do it in your head. Um, but it, it, that's one of the most important revelations, I think, in magic, is that minimalism is like a way of refining yourself in the sense that you don't need the most high-priced materials from mm-hmm. the most rarest locations. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, most of the material that I procure for my craftings are readily available in the marketplace. Um, you know, they're not, uh, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm making regular room sets out of, you know, thousand year old bog oak, you know what I'm saying? Or some, or some like lava stone from Iceland, you know, or whatever, from a volcano that's been around for, you know, 6,000 years or anything crazy like that. Um, Hold on, we we got a we got a battery issue. I have my computer next to me. I have a word document in case we need to take notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, but they like yeah, I don't know, man. Like the um, the I I I see a lot of people uh mess, like really trying to focus hard on like you know the 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 runes lately. Um, getting a rune set, making a rune set. Um, where do I get one? You know what should i do with them once i get them and it's kind of like well why why are you even there like why why have you even like what yeah. what even brought you to the runes to begin with like there's the whole why aspect why are you here why have you come why are you here right now why are you looking at this aspect of things right <laughs> sorry my dad is uh <laughs> sorry i don't know if you can hear that or not it's all good it's all good it's just the way the random heathen ramblings goes, man. It's it's so random. Sometimes you just get, you know, stuff that, that pops up that you don't necessarily expect. So yeah. you were talking about like you haven't re- – the, the things with the runes haven't really um, <clears throat> changed much for you in the sense of, you know, the workings. But what has changed for you? Um, because you and I have talked separately. Um, you've been on some live streams, top, chimed in on some, on some stuff, and we, you know, um, conversate back and forth in our own methods um, with your views on magic and, 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 and some of those elements. And you've got, I think a really um, almost fresh, I wouldn't say almost, I would definitely say it's a fresh view on things. You know, we're talking about like uh, deities and, and, and things that maybe people don't know about or have ever heard about because you've seemingly have, raise or summon them yourself you want to talk about any of that i don't know where i could begin (laughs) (laughs) well my my overall my overall like view of the world has changed in a very philosophical sense uh at that time when i was doing like the cardboard thing with the runes um i was still sort of in this theistic mindset i was uh I, the universe works because there's something mystical about it and mm. and magicians are able to control that or whatever um but then i had kind of evolved and uh 
my, my philosophy is now based on only two assumptions, which is that everything's infinite in every way and awareness is property of everything that can never go away. Um, okay. So what this means is within magic, at least, it doesn't necessarily do anything. But <laughs> instead of seeing it as a sort of cause and effect thing, it's more like a a prediction within an aware state that eventually comes true. <clears throat> that eventually comes true regardless of what elements get inserted in the mix? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> it's, it's more like a, a form of divination than it is causation. It's just at the time you don't realize that it's divination because you're caught up in the, the ritual mindset. Huh. It's like yeah. a sort of completely unaware connection with, uh, I guess you could call it the Akashic record. I mean, because assuming everything is infinite, and I mean everything, by the way, that would include thoughts, memories, feelings, senses, emotions. And so if those are infinite somehow, then that wouldn't imply the existence of an Akashic record in which those things are stored. So I believe that magic is a connection to those sort of things to predict what may happen afterwards. And that's also how spirits work, assuming that personalities are just sort of collections of data. Perhaps we're just tuning into those parts of the Akashic record in which those archetypes are stored. Yeah, so when you say like that everything is is infinite, infinite meaning there is there there's no beginning to it and there's no end to it. It didn't have a beginning and it didn't have an ending. Is that what you're referring to as, be, as being infinite? No conceivable end within time nor space. Completely no. formal. No conceivable end. So my, you know, so so one's thoughts, one's perceptions, one's ideas that get put into existence in the moment is infinite, are infinite. There, there's there's no conceivable end to an idea uh, that a person may, I don't know, write down on a piece of paper or speak into existence or portray in any sort of digestible format. Think of it like this. Let's say you have a thought about something interesting, and then you immediately forget about that thought. Mm -hmm. Now, you forgot that that thought was there, but the data that was collected within that little photon of whatever that thought was still has that data stored in it. It's just somewhere it's been lost. It's outside of your senses, but it still exists within the... So it's outside of your conscious self, right? Yes. It's outside of the conscious existence. And I think a lot of us experience that on a, on a very regular basis, maybe day to day, but especially during like dream states. Like, I don't know how you have, but I mean, like I've woken up from dreams. I'm like, I need to remember this. And then almost literally within the seconds that it takes for you to awaken from that dream state into a conscious awareness of you being outside of that dream, the recollections, the memories of what took place in that dream state seem to just drift away into nothingness. Like you're losing it before you can even grab a hold of it. If if we were saying it in a, a physical sort of scientific sense, if you were to forget something, that data doesn't just go away, it just gets transmuted into something else. And if we were thinking metaphysically, we could say that all of that data within the conceivable universe would sort of be like this this field of information. And that would be what I would define as the Akashic record, the, the collection of all data within the conceivable universe. What do you? What what record now is it? You say a conscious, uh, Akashic record. Akashic. Okay, okay. Just making sure that we got that because it was it was broken up a little. Akashic record. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your understanding of of that, because I don't know a lot of people, myself included, that that have a clear understanding of what we're referring to when we talk about this Akashic record. 
Okay, well, the Akashic Record, um, it's it's this thought in, I think, Hinduism that somehow got mixed in with New Age beliefs, uh, that there is this sort of record within the universe where all thoughts and memories and senses and feelings and emotions, all perceived things within the universe are stored somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that storage is the Akashic Record. Okay. You can tap into these sort of things and basically make magic happen memorize anything have anything happen etc okay makes sense now it's it's like the collective consciousness like an archive yeah more or less yeah so in in some ways like there there are things like that at least over over the years and, and this may have to do with just the the uh relative time and space existence that we that we have there's this the deja vu concept right like i've i've done this i've experienced this i've heard this i've seen this somewhere some other time before i just can't really put my finger on it where but it feels so familiar that's like this is like a memory taking place in that exact moment would you say that that's drawing or or withdrawing maybe from that akashic record of of data as 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 being something that needs to be manifested in that moment that happened at another point in time that maybe wasn't needed at that point in time but just got like you say stored in this kind of archive database as it were what are your thoughts on that okay uh first of all when i say database i'm i'm being completely metaphorical like i don't mean sure. actual storage of data just yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Information. i get it secondly I haven't actually thought about that yet. <laughs> I, <I've never> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Are you saying that I'm bringing in things into why it my, why it's mine that he hasn't thought of yet? But I wow. would assume that... Okay, imagine you're casting a ritual to, let's say, get money or something. Mm. And uh, now that ritual, with the understanding that I have, would be a sort of divination in which you're in an unaware state predicting that that money will come to you and then it will come to you. Um, oh, crap. Where was I going with this? <laughs> right. Mm. So, that prediction, I would say that deja vu is sort of like that, but in a completely unintentional sense. Like you weren't trying to set up the ritual. It just happened for some reason. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean by that, right? Like deja vu, right? You understand, like, yeah. I've I've been places before that i've i or i've i've had experiences before that um felt so familiar to me that it was like i was here i've been to this place i've heard this sound i've smelled this smell i've experienced some sort of like one of the five senses or more at the same time that made me think that i i personally had had been here and some might say that it's a you know kind of like a subconscious um or or a past whether it's ancestral or whatever, um, reliving of that moment from something or somebody else that you're connected with somehow through the cosmos, right? Like you have an ancestral tie, or there was an experience or a moment that you're in that you're 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 at point A right now, and you were never at point A before, but somebody else that was connected to you was at point A, and somehow there's like this this ethereal connection or this subconscious connection of of where where time and space just kind of melds into one and you're like i'm here even though i wasn't here i know about it even though i wasn't there at that moment and, and... Yeah, sorry go ahead 
So, so what you're saying is deja vu is most commonly believed to be the sort of ancestral connection, like some past life or something has been here before. And so you see it as that. And like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it, I don't, and I don't really, I don't have enough knowledge behind the concept of deja vu to know that if it's 100% connected or related to ancestral experiences, all I know is like, if I, I'm just going to use this, like, if I drove to Buffalo, New York, or if I drove to Erie, Pennsylvania, or if I drove to Hollywood, California, right? And I'd never been there a day in my life, of my conscious life, in my nearly 40 years of physical existence, if I'd never been to any one of those places before, but I reached a certain point, and then all of a sudden, I was hit with this, like, I know where I'm at. I know if I turn down this road, I'm going to reach that venue, or I'm going to reach that store. I, I know something about this place that I can't place like why do i know this it's because of a experience that is somehow tied to me that that's almost like a memory reliving in its moment so whether it's ancestral or whether it's i don't you know i i can't validate that per se i'm just saying like it almost it, it sounds a bit like the that um the uh the the the, the record the uh, and i'm losing the the word that you uh, the akashic record like that's that's where that information is stored and then because of whatever conscious effort was done in this space and time it's now being manifested in from that record i don't i don't you know and i'm getting i'm going off into like some rabbit hole thoughts of things but could it be that within the akashic record of of data right that that's where we get such experience as deja vu because it's not that we're trying to manifest it right now it's just that it just so happens it needs to be manifested right now and that's why it's reaching us so my theory on this that i totally just came up with along the way so don't trust it <laughs> Hell yeah <laughs> is that you know that sort of state in which like you're semi-awake and you're semi-asleep like you just got woken up from a really good sleep yeah they call it i call it i call it the twilight stage <laughs> and you're like sort of still halfway dreaming if that makes sense like you slip into yeah you. yeah, yeah. Well, what if when deja vu happens you know when you're in that sort of where state nothing really makes sense it's just sensory input and then your output to it mm -hmm. like uh let's say you hear a voice calling to you within the real world or something but in your head, since you're in that state, you just believe it to be your thoughts bouncing around. What if that's sort of what deja vu is? Like something in your brain must misfire or something. Oh. And you're in this area and you, you, have, you have a sudden memory of it, but then that memory goes away. And then when you wake up from that, you're like, holy crap, I've been here before. Mm. Like you sort of, you observe it, you flash out of it, you forget about it. Then you wake up from that, you reobserve it, and sort of recall that memory of it. Yeah, it's like it's, it's a, a sensory overload or sensory reaction to the conditions in and around you. Could be once, something, could be nothing, but once again, totally made up. But that seems like the most plausible answer to me. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, and the reason why I kind of brought it up, right, is because <clears throat> when you were talking about um, like the the ritual you know, putting things out or, or, you know, you use the, you use the um, analogy of, of a, 
getting more money, right? Like I'll tell you right now, um, for like the last, well, pretty much for my whole life, like almost daily, I've been, um, conducting money getting rituals. It's called a job, right? It's called, it's called going out there and working for a, 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 a wage, or it's called, you know, doing something to procure monetary gain, right? Now I get what you're trying to say in terms of like, um, putting something out that you don't necessarily have physical control over and, and using, you know, uh, your metaphysical understanding of, of the world or your worldviews on things to try and speak into existence or to try to put out into existence the procurement of said money, right? Um, but I always like use, like when, when you said that example, I'm like, well, man, that's called just getting a job. Like that's that's a daily ritual, <laughs> you know? Um, and again, it's not putting anything what you're saying down. It's just almost like putting things into perspective for people that are like, oh, how do I get more money? Well, um, you become creative. You think of ways to, you know, uh, work the system to your benefit and to procure monetary gain in a way that is uh, beneficial to not just you, but maybe to others. You know, you either provide a service or you provide a good, you know, I mean, that's that's business. Um, so like, but some of the other things, you know, like, I don't know, for I, I think a lot of times like money is one of the things like money getting like, how do I get more money? How do I become more wealthy? How do I, you know, attain more wealth? Um, some other things might be such things as maybe non-tangible stuff like love and affection, right? How do I win over the the heart of this person or that person? How do I make them like me? How do I, you know, and there, there's like plenty of stuff like you're familiar with some of like the the, the Icelandic um yeah, you know, the Galdestelfer and, and and some of the other like Icelandic rune staves and things that are heavily, heavily rooted in um Judaic Kabbalism. Like there's a lot of that that is 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 clear in, in, in all that type of, of uh magic, I guess you might call it, that uh has you know you put this stab for you know to sleep better or to not sleep or to you know get over an uh, an upset stomach or some of these other things you know um i don't know i feel like it so much of it is like <clears throat> the mysticism behind it is is maybe i don't want to say lost in the translation but it's like are you actually doing the thing first are you doing the actual literal work first? Like, okay, so you got a job and you're, you know, whatever you, you're, you're taking the right vitamins, you're eating good, right? You're doing all the physical things that you need to do to obtain the results that you're trying to obtain. I feel like some people get, they, they skip all that. They, 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 they want to just get into the whole quote unquote magical aspects of things. Like how do I accomplish X, Y, Z? And they don't want to do the work. They don't want to actually put the work in to achieve it yeah um i i would say that calling work or calling a job a sort of ritual to get money you're pretty spot on with that because doing the work itself does not somehow generate money spontaneously <laughs> doing the work gives you a very hard set prediction that money will come from doing it and that sort of synchronicity is what causes that to happen. Now, if we apply that to other things, like, say, uh, 
if you sprinkle water on an altar or something, then it will cause a storm. Let's say that, for example. Right. That would trick your rationality into believing that. And now that your uh, your rationality is with it, now that your sensible self is with it, although completely unawarely, you're sort of predicting that was going to happen. Now that your awareness and your sense senses are sort of in tune with each other, it becomes a lot more rationally plausible to happen. That's how I see magic working. So mm. part of it is placebo, part of it is like this sort of Akashic prediction. Yeah. That's a good, uh, I think that's a good, like, summary of it it's it, you know there is the placebo effect it, i think i think no matter how devout you are into whatever approach you may have into you know spirituality religion philosophy metaphysics like sometimes you just you believe it it to be because it's the placebo effect right like i'm you know you just have that that that's there um and it's a good thing to to recognize that some other things I think to do with, with magic, it, it doesn't always make it like magic doesn't inherently mean something of, uh, you know, non-tangible and, and metaphysic nature. I feel um, I was talking to a guy, a matter of fact, I think it was the last, the last podcast, you know, he was talking about how <clears throat> he, he, he crafts, um, he, he carves wood, um, God posts. Right. And it's, it's, it's 100% Germanic. Um, and it's aesthetic and in his nature so he, he carves a lot of like the norse gods um and he was telling me a story about how he, he he carved an odin piece um and he presented it to a friend of his who was or is you know atheist and has no like he has nothing to do with paganism he has no spiritual background in any sort of um you know specific sense and and the the gesture of the gift like when he presented this item to his friend you know, he was telling me that his friend held the, the item, which again, to his, to his friend was just a, a carved piece of wood. You know what I mean? Like it had nothing of spiritual value necessarily to the man. Um, but regardless of that, he um, held it and it was brought to tears. Like he felt so moved by, we can only assume the gesture, the gift and, and what it meant that it brought this person to tears. And I was talking to them about it, and I said, you know, for somebody that doesn't have any sort of, like, connection to the, the Norse gods or the Germanic gods and, and to, to, you know, for, for an all sense of the word, had no this, – this piece had no meaning to them. The gesture, the gift, the presenting of this item to this person may have been magic in and of itself because of its intent and of its pure desire to want to give a gift to a friend. Like that, that can really, that can change someone. And, and, and when you talk about giving things to people and then all of a sudden their, their, their minds are, are changed or their, their hearts are gladdened or, you know, I mean, like that's magic at work. That's literal. Like you're, you're changing someone's emotion through the effort, through the process, through the doing of things. And, you know, what, whatever chemical things that are going on, scientifically speaking, you could call that magic, man. Like I, I feel like you could. Like there's magic at work at that at that point. To me, I would say, I would say that him giving the atheist guy that God post is sort of like the emotional slash metaphysical version of saying, "Hey, here, drink this." <laughs> you know, mm. it's um, it's a very sort of 
Chemical crea- reactions in the brain can definitely be triggered through emotions. I, I've proven this multiple times, and so have a lot of other people. Yep. So I would say that within that, the magic takes place. Well, partially. As I said, it's sort of partially placebo and something actually missable. But yeah. that's a majority of it. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, who, I'm, I'm, you know, again, without being there, without knowing the full um, details behind it all, like, the day that this all occurred, right? I'm sure I could only assume at least that the man who was given this gift had no intention or no thoughts of being impacted in that sort of way. It was a, it was a sudden, you know, random gesture that triggered the effect that it did. So, but I think again, again, you know, whatever, whatever uh, depiction or whatever description you want to place on the word magic or whatever, I feel like it, there's more feeling behind it than there is a definition. It's there, there's, there's magic that exists in so many things. Things are magical without even being the work of magic. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, I, I talked recently about an experience that I had because um, I, I go on these like river walks um, nearby my house. Um, and it's, it's, it's a river that has a lot of traffic. You know, there's a lot of people that, that frequent it, but I was, I, I, I stepped into the river and, and I, I go like literally, you know, it, it'll vary from like ankle deep up to like above my head. So it's, it's very different. Like the, the, the terrain walking through the river, you never know, you know, what, what hole you're going to step into or where you're going to be. So it's, it's a, it's a bit of a challenge in that way. But when I walk into the river, it's almost like stepping out of my normal existence into the wilds existence because this is not where i live and and breathe and and exist every day it's where they exist and breathe every day so in that sense right it's literally physically just walking into a river but for me in my mind it's like stepping out of a realm into a different realm and i am interacting with other beings and i experience things that happen in nature all the time you know herons fly over they they croak they they make themselves present, right? All these various things that for the average Joe might just be like, well, that's just them being them. And that's just them doing what they're doing. I'm like, yeah, but I was there for it. And I was experiencing it. And so for me in that state of mind that I was in, it was, it was a magical experience. It was connecting with other uh, sentient beings around me that are not human, that are living in such nonetheless. Right. I, I get what you're saying. It's, um, it's the sort of I I, I go for walks um, not too often but often enough. <laughs> um, and barefoot is no, not barefoot. Oh man, you're missing out, dude. I, I I live in like as ghetto as ghetto could possibly ghetto. If I walk barefoot, <laughs> I I would have needles in my feet. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, okay, like be be careful, right? But if you can find like bare ground like grass even like take your shoes off walk in the grass where it's safe you'll you'll it'll it's it's a living experience sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there but go ahead you you do walk frequently whatever but go ahead it's it's all good uh so i i feel it as a sort of very liberating experience because Mm -hmm. when you're there let's say without technology usually okay i usually keep my technology in the house while i do it you are away from everything and you're sort of just left with your thoughts and whatever your environment is giving you. And 
it, it's this very liberating feeling in the sense that nobody is telling you what to do. You have nowhere to go. You'd be totally cool with dying, <laughs> in other words. Like, you could die right there on the spot and be perfectly fine. I think that's what most people try to achieve with spirituality, is this. That, that's what I would see as enlightenment, really. It, it's yeah. a gruesome way of seeing it, but it's... Uh, uh, like a freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the freedom to fall back into nothing, basically. Mm. It, it sounds more morbid <laughs> than it should. But that's that's sort of what it is. Well, I yeah. think that well, the morbidity of it is 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 I think where the 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 liberating aspects reside because there's so much unknown about life after death. Largely, it's 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 based on first of all what have we been told our whole lives, what has been fed to us through whether it's indoctrination or spiritual beliefs or whatever, um, or what we discover as we grow through our lives right like we don't just come up with this concept of what life after death is like on our own there's influence somewhere somehow that that brings us to this concept of what it's like so i feel like when we and i do the same thing like when i go on those river walks because again i never know i mean i know now because of the places of the river that vary in depth i don't take my technology with me because first of all like it's, you know, a thousand dollar piece of equipment. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, bring it into the river and, and, and risk getting it destroyed because I, you know, step into a deep hole and then my water, my phone is underwater, uh, number one. But secondly, it's like, I don't want it with me. I do. I, I want to be just me and nature. I want to be out here with them and have no other sort of, um, you know, distractions or whatever with me. But so like the morbidity of the, you know, being, free to live and die in that primal existence of ourselves it does it touches on a very primal or primordial essence of us pieces of ourselves that exist that haven't really been awoken or spoken to or touched until we go out there here's here's how i see it i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna try and run you through a hypothetical here um let's say there's somebody who does not have access to technology, has no job, uh, has no house to worry about, has no friends or family to worry about, literally has nothing to live for. He's just sort of wandering about and has the full ability to just, I guess, die right in the street where he stands because he wouldn't have a concern about it. He wouldn't, that there would be nothing waiting for him to, to keep him alive. And so he could just, so to a person who is trapped within the delusion of society, that sounds like a very terrible experience to have no friends, no family, no job, nothing to live for, no purpose. This sounds like a terrible thing. And people would usually strive to not have that at all. But to people who are sort of like you and me, I would assume, (laughs) um, that that's sort of our goal really <laughs> is to i i mean we're we're still obviously going to have families and friends it's yeah. it's inevitable and we want to keep them around anyway like, like they're good attachments to have but to separate yourself from all of these things it's like getting rid of the chains that bind you if that makes sense there's a um there's a there's a there's a, i i mean i'll i'll speak for myself right there's a fine line between 
what you're talking about the two the the like the the, 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 the dichotomy or the dynamics of between the two things right there's a desire to be a part of something and a desire to not be a part of things and to just exist in this way where i don't have nothing else to worry about i'm just existing and i'm just vibing with the things that vibe around me right um at least from my sorry no yeah at least from your what at least from my perspective but i'll put it in a metaphor the ability to leave a room at any time whenever you want with no consequence whatsoever is like the greatest feeling in the world it's it's the most liberating thing that it could possibly be sure you know and i mean there's there's been plenty of times and here's the really here's the really neat thing that that people may not realize just by listening or watching right now is that the 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 time of existence on this earth between myself and Wyatt is pretty vast. Um, you're, you're, you're much younger than I am. And, and so the, the experience, the time on this plane, right. The time of it in this, in this world of a, a physical existence shapes a, a person differently. Um, so the longer you're here, I think there's, there's going to be things that again, shape your views and, 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 uh, provide a perspective and for you to have the perspective that you have right now at such a young age i don't know many people even myself included i I don't think i was thinking the same way about life um that you are when i was your age um and so there's there's that whole thing to 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 take into consideration how it's it's a perception right like okay so is is you know 40 years versus 15 years on this planet really matter does it really matter when you take into consideration what we're talking about right now? Like this is, this is conversation material that I would be having of, of, a, of, a, of, of with somebody I think who was at least my age or older. Um, so we're, we're, we're blowing, um, we're blowing things out of the water in terms of stereotypes right now. Like for anybody that thinks that you can't have an educated conversation with somebody who is, you know, decades younger than you um, here's the proof you can, and, and, and you can learn, uh, from from people and and we can learn from from all types of walks of life um so again the the line between existing with uh purpose and and wanting to exist without purpose and just having that freedom to be void of it all without fear of consequence again it's a fine line and I, that's where i feel like <clears throat> um those that have the tenure those that have the miles under the tires look to experience that freedom that that freeness that that liberation through such things as shamanic work because you have that temporary ability to leave <laughs> and be something else and be somewhere else and do other things that have no consequence of your other half your other part the other side of you the other parts of you that work from the day to day that have responsibilities obligations you know it 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 feeds that desire to want to just be free of it all and in a good and holistic way yeah you know uh, well first of all i'm flattered i i didn't expect that to be said well you know i don't i don't first of all i don't bullshit yeah. here i don't i don't i don't say things that i don't really mean from my heart and it, you know what i say is said out of sincerity thank you jesse yeah. i uh I, I think you you've been probably a pretty large inspiration to me so if that means anything, there you go. Um, yeah, sure, it does. Thank you. Yeah. 
the reason why I am like this at this age is because I'm one of those people that don't really have much to worry about. <laughs> like I, I spend most of my time in my room just thinking of stuff and, and watching things. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody out there, if you at any time have children, I'm not going to tell you how to raise them, but at the very least, I suggest that you just give them like two hours outside where they just do nothing. They, they just sit there for a little while and think. Because after a while of that, after a while of that sort of isolation, they gain this sort of self-awareness and they're able to see things within this sort of state. I, I think that's where I'm getting this from, is that after a while of just sitting and sort of doing nothing, you start thinking of things beyond just societal norm. You, yeah. you look past that you're broken out of that. And so you can think of higher philosophical sort of thing. Well, I think you're in a very unique um, position yourself too. Cause uh, once again, I don't know many people um, and, and many uh, adults with, with children that um, have adopted that sort of mentality. Because again, um, one of the saddest things that I've come to recently learn about is um, a very large, respectively large um global organization uh that has very racist roots they're there they're, it's the afa um and they have this this online curriculum for for homeschooling and they started with kindergarten the kindergarten curriculum they are actively developing learning curriculums educational curriculums that are built around their ideals and their thoughts and their processes they're tr- they're, they're literally shaping future racists it's it's disheartening it's disgusting it is tragic to say the least and anybody that's listening watching that wants to know more about it um runestone.org um if you go there and you look at their um information and stuff and you'll see it it is 100% racist driven racially driven it's it's disgusting um so with that being said like there there's a lot of that effort being going to to indoctrinate and to teach impressionable minds okay because again they're starting at the kindergarten age that four or five that five to seven year old brain is is like you literally tell them that the that water isn't wet and they'll 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 believe that water isn't wet like they'll they'll believe what you tell them it's it's and 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 when when that kind of effort is being put into such impressionable minds rather than cultivating and 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 nurturing them into a holistic view of things and, and perhaps being given the opportunity that you have Wyatt to discover things yourself uh that's more of what I want to say I want to see like you 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 know nurture children you nurture those uh, impressionable minds to know what the world is around them but give them the opportunity to learn themselves and and at a point give them the opportunity to discover and learn things themselves so many people are afraid of you know, having their kids fall and hurt themselves. Like, well, that's how they learn. That's how we learned. You learn from tripping up and falling along the way and making mistakes. Like, you know, you know, you know, touch that hot thing because it's going to hurt when you do. And that's part of the learning process. Personally, I don't think that an institution in any capacity can teach these sort of like philosophical things. If we're talking philosophically, yeah. like the, there are some great, like, hidden schools of thought in the world that attempt to but it's more of a personal revelation that you get to and those are just aids for it yeah i agree i i would agree that schools aren't really like 
they provide useful information if you're trying to exist within the society, but they don't provide useful information of what you're doing here, how to be happy, uh, this, this deep philosophical stuff that we're talking about. Yeah, They don't provide any of that. And so I feel like a lot of people are sort of spiritually lost in a way, if that makes sense. They are, man. I, I, think, I think a lot of people are spiritually deprived. I think loss is a is a is a is a surface level description of it, but they're deprived, man. They're lacking. But here you know? is where that gets really bad. <laughs> um, people can definitely use that against you because a, a part of wearing these sort of philosophical things is that feeling of liberation that we've been talking about, the sort of uh, enlightenment of purpose. This, if that makes sense. Uh, without that. People are really easy to BS. <laughs> People are really easy to like control and manipulate and do whatever you want to. With them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because, because otherwise they wouldn't really have a concept of what exactly freedom is. They would just assume that freedom is rights, but that doesn't make sense. I mean, you, your dog has rights. Are they free? Obviously not. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, it, it goes back to the whole, um, the, the whole thing of you know w- what we are taught from a very young age it's it's we we think the way we think i say we as a very you know loose term society mm-hmm. thinks the way that they think um largely because of what they were told to think the way they were told to think it the way they were told to believe it my families for the longest time you know i mean i i went away from all of that you know and they're they are still you know uh, believing what they believe, thinking what they think because of what somebody else told them to think and believe. Um, and you and see, I mean, that, is, that isn't necessarily a bad thing in of itself. The thing that makes it bad is that they're using it practically and intentionally to pe- keep people told down. That's where my concern comes in. Institutions on their own are not bad things. They teach people. It's wonderful. What they do with it is... Yeah, I think that's an important aspect. The inherent, the inherent uh, value behind such institutions, as you say, aren't there. There's no inherent evil to it, or there's it's not inherently bad. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I I don't want people to think that you know we're over here just be like everybody just be themselves and think the way they want to think and the hell with schools and the hell with higher education (laughs) and all that. Like no. You know, <laughs> that's I'm glad that you brought that up because that could be I could definitely see where some might be persuaded or or think and, and that that this is where we're going with this and to be, you know, it, that it's misconstrued. Uh, absolutely not. You know, um, I, glad you brought that up. Yeah, uh, I I think that at least from my point of view, from what I've examined, one of the main issues with it is that they take things far too literal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like yeah. you learn all these little factoids about things, but you so never must be true. Yeah. Yeah. The well, application of it, the 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 practicality of it, you know? There is also that, and so it must be true. Like you just told that and then you have to believe that. But outside of that, it's like um let's let's say you're taking a biology class or something. You get all of this amazing knowledge about the body, how it heals itself, how to heal it with medicine. Those sort of things. But what I feel like they neglect to teach in those sort of schools is, although that isn't the topic at hand, okay, that's fair, 
teach them how to apply that biology to other things. See how they can like draw lines between things, make connections between like, uh, let's say, I, I think the Greeks were the first people to do this, like the bile in the stomach. That would sort of represent a breaking down of things. And try observing that in the natural world and, and see what that sort of awakens in you, what, mm. what that makes you realize. Once again, that isn't the topic at hand, so it's fair that they don't teach it, but I feel like they should, because I, I think that's important. That's like a, a necessary yeah. part of critical thinking, is to draw lines between things that don't necessarily correlate. Yes, 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 yes. And I mentioned to you offline one time about my law speaker, Patrick, um, and how you guys nearly need to meet each other and talk. I would love it we could get on a podcast together with the three of us. Um, his schedule is so odd that it would have to be like on a weird night or something that we do this, but we'll, I, I would love to work on making this happen if you're willing, because he has um, developed a system over the last 20 years that he refers to as agromancy, agromancy. So it's, it's very like agriculturally focused. Uh, it's an agriculturally focused system that has like, different stations, different tables, uh, different um, mandalic work that comes out of it, of their roots. It's very fascinating. It's, it's very in-depth. Like there's absolutely no, he has a, he has a class coming up um, in October at, at the upcoming shadow moot here in Tennessee that he's going to be like revealing it to the public as it were, <laughs> which again, he's been working on this for 20 years and nobody's seen it except him, me, and like a couple other people. And he's going to be like revealing it to the public in, um in about a month and a half i think you would absolutely be blown away and you would probably eat it all up with what he has to show and and if that could ever happen work out uh a discussion or whatever with all of us and 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 so i think you would really see it because again it, it 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 connects the dots where the dots aren't so visibly the lines aren't so visibly drawn you know what i'm saying so it's the future, man. I, it, I really think that that so much of what people are looking for in terms of um, spirituality, divination, philosophy, things like it all ties into what he's developed over the last couple of decades. It's it's blown my mind. Uh, I'll just put it that way. I think I'd be pretty enthralled by it. Um, I, I think you would too. <laughs> I have yet Either to that, or you'd be scared away. You'd be like, "Ah, oh, what the hell is this?" And, you know. <laughs> well, I have like a mix of. Platonist and Pythag- uh, Pythagorean like philosophy mainly in, in my group of the mix, you know. So mm. I'm not sure how much of that would correlate, but it'd be interesting. Well, I didn't know how much Norse um, Germ- Germanic, you know, Norse paganism would would correlate, um, but you find things that that do correlate. Um, so I, I think that regardless of what you know one's uh, persuasion might be, I think that it. Because it's again, because it's agriculturally based, it's it's literally you know like the 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 uh, germination, the gestation, the whole like life cycles of things. I it, it it resonates across no matter what your you know philosophical or spiritual approach to things is or are. So you'll uh, you know given the chance to see it and and be um, privy to it, I think you'll find some some uh, some interesting points to to take home with you. You know. Do you want me to just really quickly summarize my philosophy? I, I have this thing written down here. I, I, think I would I've... love it if you did, if you if you think you can. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I've sort of just been all over the place with this. So 
there are only two assumptions that my philosophy is based on. I, I want to go on as few assumptions as possible and level it down to the most refined state that I can, because most likely that would be the truest model that I can make. So it's only based on two assumptions, which is that everything is infinite in every way. And by everything, I mean everything. <laughs> and awareness is a property of everything that can never go away. In other terms, everything in the universe has this sort of awareness within it. And keep in mind that awareness is different from sensation. Uh, uh, awareness is the, uh, the natural ability to know that you exist. Sensation is what sort of allows that to manifest in a way with sensations and cognitive thoughts that sort of bring light to the idea that you exist. Like, think of it like this. A piece of matter, like just a floating rock in space, exists. And it doesn't necessarily know that it exists, but, you know, it, it has this... What's the word for it? You know when you're, like, dreaming but you don't necessarily have a dream. You're just aware that you're there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what that is in. And something which is biological, like us, has the ability to make sensations and sort of say, oh, crap, I exist. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Yeah. So this thing knows it exists, but this thing is able to put into cognitive thought that it exists. And that's the difference between. Okay, so everything is infinite in every way, and awareness is a property of everything that can never go away. There are a lot of assumptions that can be made off these things. Okay, so everything is infinite in every way. If everything is infinite in every way, then everything must be infinite in form, meaning that everything is happening all at once in one infinite space and time. So this pen, what we perceive as a pen, is more like a field that our perception is compressing into a pen. If that makes sense. Like everything within the universe, all these archetypes, all these thoughts, all these materials, all these sort of energies, everything. They're all sort of fields that are all happening within the same space in the same time. And our perception within them uh, sort of limits those down into this experience. So if everything is infinite in every way, then everything is also infinite in ability meaning that everything is doing and being all things in every way. So, in other words, if this pen is an infinite field that doesn't necessarily contain space or time, then that also means that it's currently doing everything. Like, this pen is managing everything, and everything is managing that pen. And that sort of relates, <clears throat> Jesus, relates between things. Uh, so if everything is doing and being everything in every way, then everything is also infinite in probability, meaning that all things are inevitable. Think of it like this. If you have an infinite amount of materials in the universe, an infinite amount of space which those materials can travel, you can, say, draw a line between one material and another material. And no matter how far away, if the space is indefinite, if the space is infinite, then there is always an infinite likeliness that it will hit another piece of matter. Mm -hmm. So it's always inevitable that that will happen, even if the space between the two are infinite. It's a weird thing to think about. So if all things are inevitable within the sort of, I guess, block time universe, 
then one of the things that is inevitable is everything being us right now with this experience of this universe. That's sort of my view on it. So, yeah, it's all relative, you know. Yeah. It's all relative to our perceptions of of the space and time and existence that we yeah. that we share, you know. Like all times are happening at the same time. All yeah. spaces exist within the same space, and everything within those spaces <clears throat> in the same area. And it's sort of all this one substance that is doing and being everything. Yeah. And if it's doing and being everything, then it's also being us, which is separating all of those times from times and spaces from spaces and creating this experience we have. Have you heard about the um, the concept of, uh, and I know we're getting close to time, I'm going to wrap this up, but as, as, a, as a thing to think about, have you heard about the... Um, concept that um light is not the fastest thing that moves of course that space moves faster than time Mm -hmm. i just discovered this whole ideal um or, or or concept very recently and i was like hold on what and then like the whole like breakdown of it matter of fact i'm gonna try to see if i can um pull it up real quick because i may or may not be able to yeah i will be able to um give me just a minute because this is this is like one of those things all right i see it as yeah hold on let me let me just let me just bring it up real quick because i'm gonna i'm gonna i was i was i was quite literally um blown away by this so for everybody that's like listening and watching, talking about like, Whoa, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm going to show you what we're, what I'm talking about. Um, let's see. Is it? Yeah, it's this. So check this out. In school, nothing can travel faster than light. You may remember that from school. Right. We lied. Oh, they lied. <laughs> well, no, you have to parse it more carefully like a lawyer. Nothing can travel through space faster than light, but space can do whatever the hell it wants. So locally, as I told you, the radio host is, is at rest. They're not moving in, in the other end of the galaxy, at the other end of the invisible universe. And we're at rest. But the space between us is expanding. So that galaxy, like a surfer, is being carried away from us faster than light. Relative to the water, the surfer isn't moving. <laughs> right? But relative to the shore, the surfer is. Right? Right. Okay. So this, this galaxy is not moving relative to its local surroundings. But it's tr- moving away from us faster than light. And so that galaxy, the light from that galaxy, is traveling through space at the speed of light. But if the space in between us and the galaxy is moving faster than light, then the poor light can never make it to us. We call that a horizon. The poor light. Wow. <laughs> you know, we taught you. The poor light. Oh, uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I granted, it was on a Joe Rogan podcast. But the, 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 the facts of it are is like, yep, I mean. So who the hell cares where it landed or what platform it landed on? But like, I was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> what do you mean? There's something that moves faster than light. <laughs> so two things. Um, I do not see space as different from time. They're sort of in my philosophy, they're the same thing, because let's say something is traveling across a room like a ball at uh like a mile per hour or something and it just hits the wall from your perspective that's 
that ball takes longer because you're closer to it. But somebody who's away from the room and sort of observing it from the outside would see that it happens much quicker because they're observing it from farther away. It's all about relativity. Mm -hmm. So, of course, time can move quicker than the speed of light. Time is the thing which allows light to move in the first place. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. But like when you when when it was broken down in that whole thing, it, it, it's like, wow, never thought of it that way. And you just, you know, there goes my mind, you know? Wild secondly, stuff. Yeah. Uh, secondly, assuming there are infinite things in the universe with infinite properties, like all sort of materials in different forms, shapes, amounts, uh, velocities, variation, then there will always be another thing which is quicker than something else. Like, there is no limit to what can exist in this universe. Uh, let's 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 put it like this imagine um imagine fire that can be molded as if it were a solid structure somewhere in the universe just because of probability that that is happening like just because something like that is inevitable to exist that exists well, i mean the elements already exist to to to, to have i mean fire that's i mean yeah. you combine certain elements you've got you know magma you've got lava i mean like literal things that make up fire to combine with other elements make up solid matter right what i'm saying is if infinite things are inevitable then there will always be another thing to the periodic table that we can add there will always be another element somewhere yeah and, it doesn't end yeah. and here's <laughs> another weird thing to think about uh when does it end it doesn't <laughs> in that same respect quarks cannot be the thing that build up matter there are infinite things that build up a single atom. They just sort of fold in on each other because if there's infinite probability, there's always a probability that there's something yeah. that's smaller than that. Mm. With this being said, just going along the metaphor of the speed of light that we're talking about, there will always be a sort of energy or maybe even a substance that can travel quicker than the speed of light. And there will always be something that will travel faster than that substance and so on forever. It's all this sort of one weird like fractal-esque thing. There will okay. always be something higher, something lower. Well, on uh, on next week's podcast, uh, we're going to have Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson talk to Wyatt Coverdale about all of this shit. No, just... I can't wait. To <laughs> you imagine? <laughs> That's uh, fun stuff, man. This is, this is phenomenal. And um, I, I, you know, for the sake of just time and, and everything, I think we're going to, probably put this uh put a cap on this one and, and let her let everybody who's listened and watched up to this point just kind of digest this all and, and think about it but definitely random uh a little bit heathen uh but most definitely a random ramblings of all kinds of stuff um from from wyatt coverdale and uh and 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 things so Wyatt, you have a youtube channel um i'll i'll let people know that hey if you guys want to just kind of get into wyatt's brain a little bit Subscribe to his channel. See whatever he does on whatever um, you know cadence that he does it. it. There, there's more like this out over there on his channel. I'm sure. Am I right? Uh, yeah, a majority of it. Actually, I, I posted a live stream. That's all about what we're talking about right now. Uh, just hey, hey, all right. Yeah. So cool, man. If you guys are are subscribing to his channel, make sure your notifications are turned on because I know he does um, do occasional live streams. And if you want to get in on the 
on the uh, the debate or the chat or the you know the conversation of it all and, and share your thoughts on it, that's where you can do it. So be sure to check the description or show notes of this podcast for you know Wyatt's channel. Um, but yeah, before I go, Wyatt, don't go anywhere because I'm gonna have you stick around with me just for a couple minutes. But for everybody else that's here, anything else that you want to let the people know before I wrap this up? Yes, actually, there is something. Um, so following that analogy of if there is a piece of matter, it is always inevitable that if you draw a line between that and another piece of matter, it will mm -hmm. always connect to another piece of matter, and that happens infinitely, even if the distance between them is infinite. Well, that now let's apply that to awareness. Let's say if you die in this universe, or if you die within this carnation of yourself, there will always be a chance that, actually, there won't even be a chance. It's literally an inevitability, assuming it's all infinite. Let, let's say that your life is a piece of matter, and when that ends, a line, is, a line is drawn, and eventually it will hit another line. In other words, infinite reincarnation is sort of inevitable, assuming everything is infinite. Uh, so within my philosophy, reincarnation is sort of, the only answer to what could happen after death. I, I just want to leave you with that. So have, mm. have fun, like, taking that together in your existential brains. <laughs> mm. We continue to exist in some form or fashion. Yes. Mm. I can get quite behind that. Oh, no. What I'm saying is you will quite literally come back. Like, also that. <laughs> but what, Which part of you will come back, though? That's the question. You as you or you as something else? Somewhere in the universe, assuming all of this is inevitable, both within space and time, there are infinite versions of us across all of space and across. Oh, OK. Well, now we're starting to and I'm going to wrap this up now, because if not, we're going to just get into some some wild things. Now it sounds like I'm in a Rick and Morty episode. Listen here, Morty. You're going to get into there's infinite versions of yourself, Morty. Oh, wow. You have a really you know. good question. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <geez>, Rick. <laughs> well, there you go. The, the the future uh the future uh incantation or the future uh incarnation of the random heathen ramblings podcast is going to be me as rick and and wyatt as 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 morty and it's going to be the rick and morty uh ramblings podcast so there you go i have no. Patrick. <laughs> there you go <laughs> all right man uh don't go anywhere um for everybody else listening watching be sure to check out wyatt's channel um it's going to be annotated and uh in in the show notes and, and down in the uh, description of this video really appreciate you being here today uh tonight Wyatt and, and and talking about all this fun stuff and I hope all of you listening and watching have had a great time as well be sure to share your thoughts in the comment section or write in or call into the to the podcast as you know we we have all those details at the intro um and until we all talk again may the gods continue to notice you and may your ancestors smile upon you thank you so much yep. all right bye. if you don't subscribe and get a curse all of you Cheers. Oh, he said it. Uh, he had to have that last word in. All right. Well, you heard the man. Subscribe or else. Cheers. <laughs>